This is Maine Coast Doc Talk, a podcast bringing you the latest news and stories from Maine's working waterfronts. This podcast is brought to you by the Maine Coast Fishermen's Association. This is a three-part podcast series about the Portland working waterfront and the issues that have arisen between commercial fishermen, the lobstermen, ground fishermen, and others about the current state of Portland development. The first podcast, The Perfect Port, was entirely dedicated to the fishermen themselves with contributions from Willis Spear and Jim Buxton. In the second pod, Rising Tide, I spoke about development on Commercial Street and the zoning that is intended to protect marine use and access to the water with voices from Charlie Poole and Bill Needleman, in addition to the fishermen. In this third and last pod of the series, on the Portland Working Waterfront, we'll hear about the long-time struggle of the fishermen from the perspective of fishing families, artists, and city stakeholders, including voices from Becky Rand, Joanne Arnold, and Monique Coombs. The plight of the Maine Coast fishermen is not entirely isolated to themselves. Their families bear the burden right alongside them. Artists perceive the changes and reflect back upon them, showing their true meaning. And everyday citizens of Portland are forced to live with the changes that occur along the waterfront, though they may not always immediately see them taking place or feel them directly. It's for these reasons that the voices of the people who you don't normally hear were included. Because the Portland Working Waterfront has a much larger range of influence than is apparent at first, here's the perspective of development from the people who many don't associate with the waterfront. Becky Rand, owner of Becky's Diner, has been on Commercial Street running the restaurant for the past 27 years. Let's go back a little further. 30-something years ago, 32 years ago, I was married to a fisherman and we had six kids. Becky's been close to the fishing industry for years, getting to know and providing for the fishermen of Portland for three decades, which has turned into a strong two-sided relationship. I felt embraced by the waterfront, and I have ever since. And plus I opened at 4 a.m., which is nobody else, I wasn't doing a fancy restaurant. I wasn't trying to put a fancy restaurant on this side of the street. I was doing a, something that really would serve them breakfast, and then if they wanted to take some lunch with them, they could. And so we opened 27 years ago, and the first day we had a line. And so there was a need for this on Commercial Street. As discussed in previous episodes of the series, Commercial Street certainly wasn't always the tourist mecca, bustling center of town it is today. It was once an entirely commercial district. Trucks and rail cars loading and unloading fish off the boats and shipping them elsewhere. Commercial Street has been evolving, however. The businesses along the side of the road have grown, as have the number of people, while the fishermen have gone about their work just as they had 30 years ago, just as they had centuries ago. Becky has been there to see it all. The numerous changes the waterfront has seen over the years, especially recently. She too has witnessed and experienced many of the same issues that the fishermen face on the day-to-day, from congestion to parking, to dealing with rising sea level. And it's because of this understanding, from the perspective of longtime business owner along Commercial Street, that Becky has sided with the fishermen on the issue of development. 
like them, and I vote. You know, I work. I, I back them up too. I I feel like the fishermen are are get in trouble because of all this development that's going on down here. It's kind of upsetting to me. And anyone else would say, "Gee, you must be thrilled." I've had it said to me, "You must be thrilled about that huge hotel condo complex going in across the street." And I said, "Not at all." I said, "I can only feed so many people in a day, and I don't need another, you know, thousand over there to come here. I do, I can't feed them. I don't. I'm not going to get bigger. I'm staying the way I am. And so, you know, I just feel like enough is enough." Like I said, I'm not anti-development. I'm not anti-doing something with your land. I'm like, but, you know, it's hard to picture that this is, having a hotel on the water side is a good idea. When you have all these fishermen, which is why people come to Portland, they don't want a waterfront like Boston or, or Baltimore. They want a waterfront that still feels like a waterfront with working guys in trucks with buoys and, you know, or. And even this fish processing plant behind me, and it stinks. Having been located on Commercial Street, Becky has an intimate understanding of what it means to operate a non-marine business alongside the marine industries, something that most new business owners are entirely unaware of. People just don't even understand what the fishing industry involves. I do. I was married to a fisherman for years, and it's a smelly business. I mean, you can, even at the meetings, you can smell these guys when they come in and they've been handling bait all day, they reek. But that's just the reality of the commercial fishing industry in Portland, at any harbor. I'm aware that I'm in their territory. But do you think those people are going to pay a million dollars for a condo across the street and they want it to stink like dead bodies? There'll be some phone calls. People and investors need to recognize the current and historic reality of Commercial Street. Under the current zoning, Marine uses take priority over all. Marine-related uses are second in the pyramid, and compatible marine uses are at the bottom. There's a reason that hotel and residential designations are not included on the list of compatible marine uses. Some things simply aren't compatible, although many will argue that without knowing the reality of the location. And that's just one aspect of the rising tide of development. Well, just to say that Hotels can go anywhere, but fishermen can, they need access to their boats, and the traffic on Commercial Street is ridiculous. And we don't say no to tourists. We can't, we, we get that we can't have the Commercial Street just to ourselves. We understand that, but every time they put a hotel in, and then they'll say, well, we're putting parking, and we're doing, you know, we'll put bathrooms in, or we'll, you know. It's like, no, this is, there needs to be a, the brakes need to be put on some of this development and some thoughtful processing go on. I think they feel like um, they don't have they don't have parking for their vehicles, but they can't get their product off the docks. It's perishable, and they can't get it to the they can't get into traffic to even you know to get their product off the street. So access and being able to just travel back and forth on the street the way we used to be able to do. Like I said, time marches forward and we get that, but I, I do feel like, um, you know, it just doesn't, it's not a working waterfront anymore. Becky, like a lot of people I've spoken to, completely avoids commercial street when coming into work. It's just too congested at any time of the day. But for the fishermen who operate in the early hours of the morning, 
and come back to the land in the early afternoon don't have much of a choice at all. They're in the thick of it because so much building has been done directly on and around the waterfront where they do their work. A group of fishermen has gathered recently to discuss the development issue and to come up with effective suggestions for the future of Commercial Street. And Becky's was immediately chosen as the obvious location to meet. That itself, as discussed in previous episodes, is a unique and meaningful thing to occur. What's hard is these guys are so independent. They're so, um, this is unique, this group. They've never, in my 27 years and then my 14 years before when I was married to a fisherman, have they ever gathered together to try and make a difference because they just are so independent. They're, they're, they're self-employed and they have a few guys that work with them, but they don't, they're never, um, they just don't hang together. I mean, they do, if your boat sinks, they're right there. I mean, all kinds of, you know, um, they're, they're, they're there for each other, but in an independent way. And so seeing them come together, they're scared. They're scared, they're, they're discouraged and scared with what's happening down here because this is the only deep water port. Like they said at the meeting with Sean, this is the only one. And once this is gone to, to hotels, they won't be tearing them down. And you heard him what they said, one of the guys said to him, as soon as it floods, because did you see the pictures of, uh, you know, as soon as it floods in a high tide, they're gonna be going to the state going, hey, we got a million, you know, $20 million hotel here. What are you gonna do for us? So they're gonna be, asking for stuff from the taxpayers to help them when they never should have located here in the first place. They never should have come down here. It's, it's you know, it's just, it's not appropriate for them to be here. And so I, I, but as far as helping the fishermen, it's like I said at that meeting, I believe that 95% of the people in Portland would say no to these developers if they knew it was impacting the fishermen the way that it is and, and future in the future going to. And that's largely the point of these podcasts, to inform people so that they can make their own independent choices on how they want the future of Commercial Street and of Portland to look. Is it one dominated by looming hotels, where the waterfront is visible only from boardwalks and bars? Or is it one where the fishing industry still has a place at the table? Well, make some decisions about what we really want, you know. So that's my, that's the only role I've got really is to um, shine, shine, reflect back the light that already exists down here. It's pretty remarkable things that um, admittedly from their point of view and admittedly from my point of view are disappearing. This is Joanne Arnold, a photographer who's been on the waterfront every day for the past decade before sunrise taking photos, observing life on the water, and forming a deep understanding of what the harbor means to Portland. Joanne's personal relationships with almost all the fishermen have been developing over the years, but what was immediately striking to her was that the waterfront is in trouble. So anyway, I got more familiar and comfortable, and um, I, just, I, I was in love with the waterfront. I just, I love the working waterfront, and that's who inhabited that time and space. Right, you go out first thing in the morning, and you're going to encounter a lot of beautiful animals that you never see any other time of day. 
and you're going to find the homeless, and you're going to find the fishermen around here, and you're going to find addicts in recovery. That's, that's who populated this early morning scenario, and so that's what I photographed. In terms of recognizing the environment, understanding the time and place, Joanne does an exceptional job of placing herself within this existing context. If I go to my office, I don't have to worry about what direction the wind is coming from, how many knots of wind there are, if there are gale warnings, what the sea swell size are, what the current current is, what the moon phase is, because that affects the tides. You know, like, oh, that's all connection back to the earth. And we don't have a lot of that. And it's because of her exceptional recognition and placement that Joanne has been able to identify the issues that fishermen of Portland face day in, day out, and to fight for and alongside them concerning development along Commercial Street. The looming issue, being the proposal of a hotel by Mr. Bateman on the parking lot of Fisherman's Wharf, is one that Joanne has familiarized herself with well, including the very project proposal. It's not taking, it's not taking birds away from lobster boats or commercial fishermen because they already took it. They already commercial. But I'm yeah, just, you could challenge yeah, right. Yeah, but I'm just looking, and I don't know. Uh, it's just like a uh, when they write about it, it sounds like the greatest thing in the world, and we can't live in Portland without it because of this, because the. Because when you drive by, it looks like an empty lot. I mean, that's what it looks like, a little lobster shack on it. Without the consideration of how it functions. So, meaning, it's access to Widgery Wharf. It's <clears throat> the traffic from it alone will prevent most of these guys from being able to move. And then the argument keeps coming in, well, those guys can just move. They can just go to South Portland. You know, and they can't. It's not the same. The dynamics of these wars are so fascinating. They, they're deep, they're long, and they're protected on three sides from the weather. So your gear doesn't get ruined. If they go over to South Portland, it's a very punishing... It's one of the reasons they don't have wars, though. There's a very punishing uh, exposure. So it's not a logical argument to say they can just go somewhere else. They actually can't. There's a real reason why this is so beautifully functional, even though the infrastructure is failing, which it is. Joanne does well to sum up some of the points that were made by Willis and Jim in the first episode of the series, The Perfect Port. But to take the argument just one step further, not only can fishermen not go to any other port, but a hotel can literally go anywhere else. A lot of the problem and largely the root of all this complication and controversy is the fact that all the wharves in the central waterfront zone of Portland are privately owned. Yeah, I mean, it's a blessing and a curse. The other wharves aren't going to, they're all privately owned, so there's, there's not one that isn't going to be prey to the same development. And from that arise all the issues. Parking is commodified. The wharves can be sold to the highest bidder, who have no intention of protecting the commercial fishing industry of Portland. The land in front of the wharves can be sold, not allowing fishermen access to their boats and dockage, etc., etc., etc. It's still an extraordinarily unusual thing we've got going on here in Portland, and to see it all go to a mall is just disgusting to me, because that's what it is. We strip all 
you know, right? Hotels, restaurants. I mean, it works in other places. That's the problem. You know, that's the problem. Is most wa waterfronts have gone that direction. Economically, they're doing okay. Not, not okay for the fishermen. And Portland, Maine is one of the few. It's very unusual. It's just, we've got just these long wharves that protect your stuff. You know, that's just unheard of. You can't you to build that today. It would be astronomical. I mean, to repair it, it's going to be astronomical, but to build it new would be inconceivable. It's like space is getting diminished, access is getting diminished. You know, that little funky parking lot, not even a parking lot, it looks like just a little empty space. I always thought, what the fuck, what's that all about? Well, that's a vital connection for 12 fishermen to get to their boats. And if you park there, I would totally push it overboard, <laughs> you know, get out of the way. But it's, that's not a, I don't think the general public always gets it. So on Facebook, I you know, post some of that stuff. See this little space? You know, don't park there. Because <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is their office space. And if they can't get there, they can't get to their boat. They can't get their shit down to the boat. Imagine that, you know, trying to go to work and not being able to get to your office. Three in the morning, four in the morning, whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, it's, for me, it's been an eye-opener on um, what, what access means, and also know that the whole world wants access to the water, too. But speaking out for what the fishermen have had access to for centuries before, the sea, is incredibly difficult to do when you have to organize a hundred lobster boats, tens of other fishermen, community members, fishing organizations, and other distinct areas of the fishing industry. And Joanne recognizes this. And I think it's a, a community that struggles with organizing. You know, they're, they're not, um, they're a fiercely independent lot. You know, they haven't had to coalesce. And they will be stronger, and they are stronger as they coalesce now. Um, but they're, they're a feisty, independent crowd that um, has been able to function in that manner just fine. But now I, I think it's calling upon a whole different relationship from my point of view amongst them to get their shit together. Because shit's hitting the fan. We'll lose this. It's because of this difficulty in organization and advocacy that Joanne organized a show of support for the fishermen, which was attended by artists, fishermen, and community members. The goal being to make the citizens of Portland aware of what's going on down on the wharves and to show the fishermen that if the issues are made clear, some people will care and value their place in Portland's culture. Like this, the little tiny little rally for the fishermen, people were like shocked. Wait a minute, this is in jeopardy? And it certainly isn't jeopardy. The entire profession, the lifestyle of fishing, is no joke. There's something about that, this, you know, that there are a few professions where you go into a life-death situation every morning. On top of this daily risk, fishermen have had to organize to ensure that their job, that their family has held for generations, will still be there tomorrow and the next day. That a hotel doesn't displace any more fishermen than have already been displaced. That the construction of a hotel on the waterfront side of Commercial Street doesn't break down the zoning and open up the floodgates to further congestion on the street already at capacity and overflowing with people in an industrial area nearly at all times of day. So there's work to be done. 
and the citizens of Portland don't just have to sit on their hands and hope that the issue resolves itself. All that needs to be said is... There is value in this. I want this. I'm willing to step forward. I'm willing to donate. I'm willing to show up for a, a, a city hall meeting, you know, that to uh, show my lack of support for the hotel. So if it can be made meaningful, that's what my life is about. If it's got meaning and purpose, people do things. If it doesn't have meaning or purpose, you're just dragging people around. It doesn't, nothing happens. It's a meaningful thing to preserve this heritage, this uh, connection, this community, this working waterfront, one of the last ones in the country. bummed out right now let's put it simply about where things are at and how hard fishermen are having to to fight for their way of life but I'm also hopeful because I am seeing advocates like Joanne participate and that hasn't happened a lot before um, so I'm hopeful in that way but I do I do wonder what might happen, what the future looks like for the fishing industry. I think that there will be, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. That kind of sucks, but I'd like to think that there is still a fishing industry in Maine in 20 years. That's Monique Coombs, the director of marine programs for the Maine Coast Fishermen's Association. I am first and foremost a fisherman's wife and part of a fishing family and a fishing community. And I, I use that in terms of like the emotional aspects and understanding the situation. Like I have, because I know that feeling, because I know those emotions and what's at stake. Monique has some pretty direct insight into the fishing industry, the struggles and rewards, the issues in the community as a member of a fishing family and has based a lot of our work off these insights. Everything they read with psychology, it says like, don't let your occupation become your identity because you don't want to be a workaholic or the bottom line is fishermen are workaholics. But a lot of these guys that are fishing right now have been fishing since they were little peanuts, either like on a milk crate behind a wheel or lobstering um, with their father or mother or just somehow involved in, in the fishing industry because of the generation prior to them. And so they see that as just, it's just such a part of your life because it is such the culture. It's not just a job, I guess is the best way to say it, but that sort of seems so cl cliche too. Like, I feel like that's in an advertisement somewhere. It's not just a job, but that's, I don't know how else to say it. And then it's, it's not just a job, it's a, it's a passion and way of life. But with the innumerable threats that the fishermen face today, something needs to change. Yeah, they need to act. I mean, there's a lot of things that are, like you mentioned, that are somewhat out of our control. Sea level rise for one, climate change, um, some of the regulation changes. Um, you know, you can speak up about it and hope your voice is heard. But 
I think the one place where fishermen can really become active and participants and have more say and more control in this situation is with working waterfront. And that comes from working waterfront and humanizing the industry and making sure that the fishing industry is elevated in the conversation in Maine and they doing in order to do that it would be you know attending town meetings or um, identifying ways to share their stories whether that's with like an association or starting their own small business or figuring out what's going on in their community and doing what they can to to speak up about it um I mean, I really think that it used to be you would just go fishing. Like the old timers, they would just get up, go fishing, come home for a couple hours, and then go fishing again. But that's just that can't continue if we want to see the fishing industry continue. Fishermen have to find a place where they can speak up. So I, I guess that is whether it's like participating on a council or in their own community just to make sure that, you know, the fishing industry has a place in the conversation in Maine. But it shouldn't all be up to the fishermen. The citizens of Portland and of Maine have a good deal of say as to how they want their futures to look. Do they include the fishermen, or are the waterfronts left to the hotels? Yeah, people go to bat for farmers. They should be able to go to bat for fishermen too. It's a pretty dehumanized industry. Um, and there's a lot of myths out there about the industry from, you know, species that are overfished or not over, like the, the terminology is complex. And so I think people just kind of give up because they don't understand it. Um, and that's unfortunate. I used to think that, well, I guess people just aren't going to understand it. We've got to figure out how to go about that. But I think that we can identify ways to communicate about the fishing industry so that people do understand it and a good place to do that is the working waterfront because you can actually see it it's not like we're talking about something that's happening in the gulf of maine or on a boat or you know it has to do with management um so i i, I think you know there's sort of a silver lining in this terrible situation and that if we can get more stories out there about the working waterfront and get people to care about preserving a way of life as opposed to developing a hotel that, you know, maybe in the long run will have more resources and advocates like the agriculture industry has had. And there's a lot at stake for us individually, for families, for Maine, for life. I grew up overseas. We moved around a lot. And the the sense of stability and consistency and comfort that I feel being in a fishing community and with a fishing family is so strong and I um, appreciate it so much. I would want my kids to have that opportunity. I at least want them to be able to have the opportunity to have, you know, a, a family and a small community um, to live comfortably and you know, to, to have some of the things that I appreciate so much right now that I think comes with being in a fishing family. Portland is the place to make this change. We chose the most populous city to focus on throughout these three podcasts for many reasons. But it's important to note that all of these issues are felt in their own specific and tangible ways 
in communities up and down the coast. Uh, Portland is a bellwether city, so it sort of sets the trend for other communities. Um, but Maine across the board has um, seen an increase in tourism, which is good, but what's happening is um, they're sort of simultaneously happening along the coast. So what we want to see is that a precedent set in Portland with some protections that would hopefully allow for other communities to do the same thing. You know, Maine has to do a, a, um, a better job at thinking about long-term impacts versus short-term gains. Um, and if we continue to deprioritize the working waterfront and over-prioritize things like hotels and developments and passive recreation, there may be a short-term gain, but in the long-term we'll be losing out big time. The only constant is change. But that doesn't mean abandoning what has been so central to Maine for centuries. There's despair, and there's hope, and many feel differently. But there are a few things that are certain. There's a lot of work to be done, and there's no replacing it. A special thanks to Becky Rand, Joanne Arnold, and Monique Coombs for their voices in this pod. And thanks to Willis Spear, Jim Buxton, Charlie Poole, and Bill Needleman, you heard in the previous episodes of this series. I'm especially grateful for the fishermen for all their hard work. It's the fishermen for whom this is dedicated. And lastly, thanks to the rest of the MCFA team for all their support and help. Thanks for listening.